You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. <laughs> Hey folks, and welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk, presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos, with me for the first time in person. Uh, normally we do this thing uh, virtually, but uh, sitting here with my man, Palmer Thomas. PT, what's up, buddy? Yeah, How are you? I'm, How are you? I'm good, I'm good. We act like this is the first time we've seen each other. <laughs> we've been, we've been in, in Indiana for uh, two days now. Um, folks, it's here. Uh, really not much more to say than that, right? Um, dogs and Bama will meet up uh a little less than what a little over 24 hours a little over now. 24 hours from us recording this um so uh probably by the time this gets up it'll be right at about 24 hours i would think um busy week here in indianapolis uh, a lot of buzz a lot of uh, people scurrying about seen a lot of georgia fans um i talked to somebody earlier they said maybe they thought 10 to 1. I don't know that that's accurate. I'll be honest, we haven't really left the hotel complex <laughs> enough to, to, to know it's, those numbers. It's a little too cold. And, it is. And, and, and before we get into too much of a game preview, I do want to get your thoughts on Indianapolis as a host city here. Uh, Indianapolis as a host city is a good thing. It's okay. <laughs> I, it's They've done a great job accommodating everything. You don't really have to go out into this cold. Uh, I will say maybe not America's most scenic city, um, in my opinion. Uh, pretty flat here. Uh, for my taste, but you know, I'm an old hillbilly. So I guess that, that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, we've gone through all the uh, interviews, all the press conferences are done, all the lead up is, is completed. And now it's all about just getting to the field. And to be fair, I think that going into this um, game and, and what we've gotten, I guess, since any, everybody's been in Indianapolis, there really hasn't been a lot added to the narrative. There hasn't been much in the way of adding to the story. Players haven't really said much. Uh, certainly Kirby, Smart, and Nick Saban said almost nothing in their pregame press conference. Um, well, and, and I will say I think a large part of that is because these two teams played, what, just over a month ago sure. in the SEC championship. The, the narrative of Georgia and Alabama was told prior to the December 4th matchup rather than the January 10th matchup. It wouldn't be the case if Georgia was playing another team. Or if Alabama was playing another team, uh, wasn't the case for Michigan and 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 Cincinnati for Alabama's sake. So I think that a lot of, you know, maybe the the lack of buzz a little bit. And I wouldn't say that there's a lack of buzz. I think that you know if, if you step outside and you know you see the, all the Georgia fans, you see all the Alabama fans. There's certainly a buzz in this city sure. ready to go for a big game. Uh, the rematch aspect adds a lot to that as well. But I think that. At the same time, that rematch aspect takes away some of that buzz because we have seen how this game has played out before. Um, quite frankly, we've seen it play out four times before right. over the last couple of years um, in the Kirby Smart and Nick Saban era. And I think that because of that, it's, it's, there's not a ton of unknowns going into this game. It's probably more of an unknown about how this game will play out as much as it is, as it is unknown about the opponent. 
Yeah. Oh, no, no question. I mean, I, I think that, you know, look, everybody knows the story between these two, these two we've spent, uh, I would, I dare say we spent more time in the lead up to the orange bowl talking about Georgia and Alabama than we did George versus Michigan. Yeah. I mean, that was the bigger talking point. It was what everybody said, you know, what happened we, as opposed to what was going to happen. Right. I mean, then, you know, in our recap show of the orange bowl thing. So to be fair, I guess going into this week, it, the story's been done to death. Uh, and so there wasn't a lot to add to it. It wasn't like players had a lot to add to it. It's just get out there and, and sort it out on the field. And, um, you know, I think that everybody's ready for that. Um, you know, I think most Georgia fans, Alabama fans are ready to get out of this cold ass city and uh, get back to <laughs> get back to some semblance of war down below the Mason Dixon line. Um, but I, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess my feeling going into this is uh, Georgia seems confident. They seem like they're in the right headspace. It's hard to gauge anything like that. I mean, I think, you know, what are they going to do? Mope around and, and say, oh, you know, we're going to get creamed again. I mean, you can't be obviously doing that. Um, but I will say, you know, they do seem to have a little bit of the the chip on their shoulder um, that's carried over from the Michigan game. Um, you know, to me, I think looking back on that one, it feels like, you know, they weren't ever going to say this, but it was a stepping stone to getting back to this. And yeah. now it's here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, when you, when you listen to what these players have said, um, you know, from the moment that they stepped off the field at Mercedes Benz stadium to now, as we're recording this, you know, like we said, just over 24 hours before kickoff, Everything has been about, you know, and I wrote this in, in takeaways from today. Um, they haven't gotten too high all season and they haven't gotten too low. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they handled winning the right way. Um, Georgia, you know, when, went about its business in the regular season, you know, took, took, had a very emotional win in, in the season opener. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a you know, starting point for this, for this entire run here. Um, but I think that at the same time, um, you've you've got, you know, to be able as 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 good as Georgia has been all season about you know not getting too high over these wins, they had and 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 celebrating you know success whether that was a SEC championship SEC championship appearance, winning the East, going twelve and zero in the first time in the regular season, first undefeated regular season since eighty two, they have to be able to bounce back as, as just as well. They 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 can't let that loss linger. They can't let Alabama beat them twice. Um, and, and and when I say Alabama beat them twice, I mean that Alabama right, SEC right. championship game performance, sure. Alabama beat them twice. And so I think that that's where, um, you know, just listening to these players, you've getting a sense for where they're at. I think that mentally, and Jordan Davis said it, this game is just as much mental as it is physical because these two teams are very evenly matched in terms of the talent that they have. Sure. A lot of it is is about how Georgia is going to rebound from that loss, how Alabama is going to approach this rematch game, uh, and, and the you know mental aspect of it is going to be huge. And so I think that you know for the lack of you know game prep narrative, um, you know buzz around that, there's been a lot of buzz around you know the mental side to this game. Well, I think too both of these teams do a good job of like you said the the high and low and i think part of that comes from the idea and the understanding of what are your limitations and i think both of them are aware of what their limitations are for alabama the offensive line was a liability pretty much 
throughout the season until the FCC championship game, which we were talking about earlier, kind of seemed like the outlier as opposed to the standard of what they really are. You know, and then with for Georgia, I think it's got to be to some degree the passing game. Um because of the weapons that you've had missing throughout this season, the injuries that you've had. Um, and the question you know, marks you've had at quarterback. Exactly, exactly. So I think both teams don't – neither team feels as though they've arrived. And, and that's a testament to a Kirby Smart and Nick Saban coach team. That's just who they are and how they are. They would not accept anything otherwise. Um, going into this game, Palmer, you know – is there anything, I guess, that's a key in this game that wasn't a key in the, in the last matchup of these two? Is there anything I got to do different? I mean, aside I mean, from – I mean, score more, obviously. <laughs> aside from putting that last game behind you, I, I don't know that the, the keys to victory are going to change all that much. We, we were joking about, you know, whether we could just repost that same story yeah. and, and that it would still apply. And I think that a lot of those same things still do apply here. Um, you know, Georgia needed to get pressure on the quarterback in that game. They did not. Uh, they, they need to be able to defend against these Alabama wide receivers. Granted, there was John Mechie that was a threat then, and he's yeah. not now. Um, but you've, you've got to be able to defend Jamison Williams um, first and foremost, but then the guys around him as well, whether that's the running backs, the tight ends, the, the sure. um, you know, the, the wide receivers. Slade Bolden, Corey Brooks. Corey Brooks, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that um, you know, that was a key then. It's a key now. If there was, and, and you wanted to see a, a good performance from Stetson Bennett putting, you know, some of the struggles that he had had behind him. Um, if there is one that I would add to it that I don't think was as much of an emphasis in that one and very much could be in this one, it's got to be stopping the run for Georgia. It, it's been a cornerstone of what they've done all year defensively. They've done it really well. But I think at the same time, now you've Going into that game, you had a banged up Brian Robinson. You had one yes. completely healthy scholarship running back for Alabama. You're coming off of Brian Robinson's best game now. And I think that, you know, he's going to be juiced up, ready to roll. Um, and, 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 you know, I think Alabama is going to be able to rely on him some, especially given the fact that they lost a major passing threat there. Yeah. So I think that that becomes a bigger key now than it was then. I mean, it's always a key for Georgia's you know, defense. Kirby Smart says you, you really can't do anything if you can't stop the run. You really can't do anything if you can't run the ball. But I think that becomes even more of a key now, given the fact that Alabama is probably going to put a little bit more emphasis on that than they did in that first game. Well, and, you, you know, we talked, I think, a little bit about the idea of the chip on the shoulder. I mean, look, if it's if I'm looking at a guy on the Alabama squad that has that Stetson Bennett-esque, you know, like, I got something to prove maybe, it's probably Brian Robinson. I mean, he's waited for this turn. He He's playing in the biggest game of his career. He's going to be leading the way for the team he grew up in the shadows of Bryant-Denny Stadium watching. And – you know, like I said, he waited around for this, and now it's all here. It's all happening. Stetson Bennett, do you think when he was a six-year-old quarterback slinging it around in the backyard of Blackshear, you know, that he ever envisioned he'd be sitting in cold-ass Indianapolis, <laughs> you know, throwing, trying to throw touchdown passes in a national championship to possibly end Georgia's streak? You know what I'm saying? Those, those two guys. He dreamed of it, certainly. Sure, sure. And I, I'm, I don't I'm sure know Brian Robinson. Ever... I'm sure Brian Robinson many times, you know, did the, the backyard thing where, Oh, the five, the 10, you know what I mean? He's, he's, yeah, I, I'm sure he did. And, and I think that regardless, you know, of who wins, that there's that cool story there for yeah. Brian Robinson or Stetson Bennett. Sure. 
Um, you know, I, I think that because of what Georgia has gone through with this championship drought versus Alabama, it's kind of become routine for them to be in this game, routine for them to win this game, yeah. essentially, almost. Um, I think that because of that drought, championship drought, it might make it a little bit more special for Georgia and Stetson Bennett <laughs> than it would be. I think it's really fair to say that, Palmer. Well, and, and also been, I think that – It's been 40, 40 – what years, years. It's yeah. for Alabama. It was uh, last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but at the same time, I do think like the the walk on aspect to it, the the sure. the story of Stetson, um, you know, which which has a nice ring to it there. Um, but you know, may, maybe makes a maybe makes a Disney movie one day. Story of Stetson. Um, but I, I think that you know when you're talking about this game, um, you know, that, that there is that fairy tale narrative for both these teams um, for at least one of these. At least one of their players, but I think that you know, as Stetson has pointed out, and and as Nolan Smith pointed out earlier this week, Jordan Davis pointed out, there's a lot of guys at Georgia that haven't won championships. Obviously, they haven't won an SEC championship in their four years. They haven't won a national championship in their four years. But a lot of these guys didn't win state championships either. They didn't go play in the All American Bowl. Some of them did, yeah, but not everyone on this team did. And so I think that you know, you've got a a big stage that Georgia has played on. They've been on a big stage before. That They've played in the SEC championship game, and, and, and obviously the hype that comes around that. But you've got some guys that have an opportunity to make their mark on a national stage, um, you know, the biggest of college football stages, um, you know, in, in this game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, let's talk about the game itself. Uh, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to take Stetson Bennett and Brock Bowers away from you. Outside of those two guys, who's got to play the best game on that offensive side for Georgia to have the best chance to win? Who's got to play outside of sets a minute, you said? And Brock Bowers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's James Cook. Okay. I think it's James Cook. I, we, we've talked about it this week some, um, you know, in our conversations. I think that Georgia is going to try and – part of their best defense against this Alabama offense is going to be just keeping the ball out of their hands. And so I think that with that comes the, you know, emphasis on the run game for Georgia. I think that they want to, um, you know, control the clock and, and, and be able to set the tone there for themselves um, more so than they did in the past. And, and I mentioned it to Clint some earlier this week when we were talking, um, Georgia ran the ball pretty well in that first game. Better, I thought they got away from it early. They got away from it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of that happened because they you went from being tied 17-17 to being down 31-17 right. without touching the ball. Right. And, and I think that, you know, there, there comes a time there where you're like, okay, you know, if we're down 14 points, we got to press. We got to press because look at what's happening on our sure. – on the defensive side of the ball, we can't get stops there. We've got to press and score and hope that we can get stops. They ended up getting the stops, and they ended up not being able to convert on their, you know, press approach. But I think that if – especially early in this game, if Georgia wants to establish its tone, it's going to have to be with the run game, controlling the clock, keeping the ball out of Bryce Young's hands, um, 
And and it's and th- those are two of your better players between Zemir White and James Cook. I think I lean to I give James Cook the edge there when it comes to you know a, a player to watch or something like that because I think he's so versatile. Sure. You look at how he impacted the game in, in Miami. Um, you know, I, I think that he could have a similar type performance here. For me, it's Jamari Sawyer. I think if Jamari is able to produce like he did against Michigan, and I mean, not to say that he was bad in the first go round uh, mm-hmm. by any stretch, of the he but he was up. less healthy. He, he was, was very, less, he and, was less and, healthy. And he admitted, yes. He and admitted. so I think that he, if he's able to come out and play like that again, um, like we saw in Miami, I think that can go a long way to helping them establish the run, to keeping Stetson clean. Yeah, and that's what you got to have. To me, Jamari is the guy on the offensive side of the ball. And quite frankly, look, he's got a lot of motivation to do it as well because coming off that last performance, he's probably climbing up uh, some some boards uh, when it comes to evaluation anyway. So a good performance in a national championship game really only boosts his stock further. Not to mention against a pass rusher like Will Anderson. Absolutely. I mean, I mean we, we, we saw how he performed against, you know, Heisman finalist Aiden Hutchinson. Well, you're talking about the Nagurski Award winner here. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that, you know, for the best defensive player in the country um, and somebody that maybe deserved a shot to be in New York for that Heisman Trophy, yeah. um, you know, this is the nation's leader in sacks. And so I think that, you know, just as much as it's important for him to play well and, and, and you know, for Georgia's sake, it's important for him to play well because of who Alabama has to offer. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. So, like I said, for me, it's Jamar. I, I think that uh, if Georgia's offensive line can get cooking, uh, and it's something you and cooking. I talked about, James. Yeah, well, you and I, you and I talked about it too. If they're able to chew clock, mm-hmm. you know, it, chewing the best way to stop stop Alabama's offense is to keep it out of their hands. I think that that's where the run game comes in, obviously, and you want to be able to control the pace of the game. You can't dictate pace when you're playing from behind. You've got to put it in the air. You've got to play catch-up. So yeah. uh, Jamari, to me, goes a long way. All right, same question for you on defense, except I'm taking away Jordan Davis and I'm taking away Nakobe D. Okay. Well, and, and we kind of just had this conversation because just after we record this, we've got matchups and players to watch coming out on defense. Um, you know who's in that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm cheating a little. Uh, yeah, cheating a little bit. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Nick Nolan Smith. Okay. Um, because I think, and 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 I bet you're gonna take the other person from that, um, from that list of three. But we'll see. And if you don't, I'll, I'll give a justification for him as well. Nolan Smith here to me is is important because the pass rush had to has to step up in this game. You cannot let Bryce Young sit back there and pass and make plays. I mean, he was able to extend plays. Georgia, it, it wasn't like Georgia didn't try to get pressure. They tried, and they got some pressure, but he was able to escape the pressure, which, which made things hard. He was able to extend the plays, whether it was you know, with his legs or, or you know, just directing traffic. I mean, you saw in the touchdown to John Mechie, um, you know, he, he literally directed him into the corner of the end zone. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, in order to avoid that happening again, you have to be able to get pressure on the quarterback and you have to be able to take him down. So I think that for me, it's going to be Nolan Smith. Um, There's other edge rushers that I think that you could include in there as well. Trayvon Walker is somebody that could step up. Um, Robert Beal is somebody that could step up. I I think that, you know, not to mention there's, there's guys 
that play the inside linebacker position sure. that, that are able to get a pass rush. Devontae Wyatt, too. Um, so, you know, and, and Jalen Carter. You know, there are other guys outside of just Nolan Smith. It's not like all the sacks come from one guy at the outside linebacker position. But I think that if there's anybody to do it, with him being kind of the leader, one, one of the leaders of this defense for sure, um, a very vocal guy, um, you know, somebody in that perfect position for it, who better to do it than Nolan Smith? All right. I'm going completely off the list. This, okay. is, this is a guy not on the list. And I'm going to tell you, and it's for an abstract reason. It's a reason you couldn't put him on the list. But it, for me, it's Darion Kendrick. Okay. <clears throat> and the reason is, I think like Jamari Sawyer, he can ride that hot streak that he got. He started in Miami into this game. Interceptions are like home runs. They come in bunches. Okay. Once a guy is able to kind of pop that seal, Sometimes it kind of works that way. I don't know. That's just like I said. That's a well, he had two last week. Exactly. That's that's abstract reasoning. I understand. You can't rely on something like that. But that's the kind of plays Georgia needs in order to shift this game in a big way. To yeah. be able to control the flow of this, if he's able to come up with another big play like that, if somehow he's able to erase that mind and and you know hopefully that's always what you're looking for right is short memory from your defensive backs if he's able to erase that memory of what Jamison Williams did in that first game and suddenly you know bounce back and blanket that guy shifts the whole game I mean it changes changes absolutely so I I think that Darion like Jamari uh, on offense kind of riding a high right now if he's able to to carry over that momentum into this game could really really help shape George's fortunes. Now, you know, I, like you said, uh, you can make an argument, you know, Quay Walker, the in, the interior of George's defense and that middle, that mid-level uh, there with the inside linebackers is just asked to do so much. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dropping into coverage. They're, you know, getting out there and playing it. They're coming up for run support. Sometimes they're asked to get in and penetrate and get to the backfield. So, you know, a guy like Quay Walker makes a lot of sense to me. Lewis Seen on the back end has to be able to protect. And and that's who I mentioned sure. in, in the play matchups and players to watch. I was debating between him and Nolan for that position. You can't have – and you because, I mean – if if Darion and Keely Ringo are not able to contain Jamison Williams, Lewis is it, man. Yeah. That's your last line of defense. Well, and I also think with Lewis, there's so much of a, a leadership aspect sure. to it sure. as well. You know, and similar to what I mentioned with Nakobe in that story, that if something goes wrong for Georgia in this game, which, you know, let's let's be honest, this is a very good Alabama offense. Yeah, no question. There, there's no question about that. They're probably going to hit on a couple of big plays. Yes. Georgia needs to can't let that you know you know escalate. I mean they, they have to be able to you got to be able to weather from that. Yeah, you got to be able to weather the storm. Exactly. Okay. And, and so I think that those guys, whether it's Nicobe in the middle, but Lewis on the back end, especially with that secondary, has they, there's a leadership aspect to it as well. Yeah. And I I wrote about this the other day, and basically I called this Ali Frazier too mm-hmm. because it, it is it, it sets up like a heavyweight fight. You know each guy is going to get their shot. It, there's there's no scenario where I think this game is just out of hand by halftime. Um, everybody's going to have to weather some horns. All right. It's just last man standing. And like I said, um, I, I think that those guys, like you said, that leadership aspect, that's huge for that to be able to say, hey, guys, you know, we may be down, but we're not out. You know, let's yeah. let's make this happen. Well, and, and there's another player I'm going to discuss here because we've mentioned him this week in some of our conversations. Channing Tindall. Yeah. He, he's been quiet recently, um, you know, and Quay Walker has really emerged in his absence. Um, but it, but it, 
you know, from that Tennessee game, I think back to that one as kind of the last time that we heard a lot about Channing. He had a huge impact in that game. He yeah. had a huge impact early in the season, you know, whether it was against Clemson or, or you know, other games throughout, the, you know, that, that stretch, he was very impactful. And so I think that, you know, if Georgia could get an impactful performance from Channing Tindall, you know, and not to mention the fact that Nicobe is the Buckkiss Award winner and playing like the leader that he is. You've got Quay coming off of a very good game against Michigan. I think that if you could get that entire inside linebacker group playing at its best in this game, that's a really good sign for Georgia. And, and so I think that, you know, I wouldn't put him as, as, you know, somebody that I would count on because he hasn't done it recently. But, you know, for a lot of those same, you know, hypothetical reasons that you're using Kendrick here, I'll use Channing. I think that there's a lot of pressure on him to step up and perform. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I, this is going to sound really stupid, but I remember watching the Rose Bowl all those years ago. And one of my buddies, uh, we were watching it there at kind of the very end. And uh, he turned to me and he said, he said, what's going to happen? Who's going to step up? <laughs> and I said, I said, dude, Weapon X. I said, and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, it needs to be Lorenzo Carter because he's been waiting for a moment like this. I said, he's been here. He was highly recruited. You've just been waiting on Lorenzo Carter to do something. Yeah. And sure enough, he comes through and blocks that field goal. Yeah. I think Channing Tindall is a guy like that. You know, you, he, he's, he's just, he's, there's been flashes. There's been, you know, there's been games for him even. But, you know, has there been a defining Channing Tindall moment? I don't know. Well, and I think if Georgia is going to win this game, you know, it, it, there's going to be a signature moment for somebody. You know, at least somebody, if not multiple sure, players. Sure. Because I think the stage of this game, you know, sets up for something like that, where, where you know, you have the opportunity to leave your legacy, have that defining play, and, you know, be able to raise a banner at Sanford Stadium. Well, and I'll tell you this. I really don't see any scenario, and this is why I subtracted him. I don't see any scenario where we get away from here where Brock Bowers doesn't make a big play. Yeah, I would shock. I mean, he's done it in almost every game, uh, especially the big games so far, right? He's had, uh, what, uh, I would say I three he, really big games, Clemson, Alabama, and and Michigan, and he's played very well in all three. Yeah, I, I would um, – the Clemson game, I, I might subtract from that one. It, it wasn't huge in that. I think he still let he had a couple. He, he put some people on notice, though. But I think it was really hard. Yeah, you're right. He, he definitely put people on notice. He led the team in receiving yards that game, led the team in receptions that game, just like he has all year. It was really hard for anybody on that offense to stand out in that game. I think that, you know, Brock Bowers, he's had four touchdowns in the last three games, I'm yep. pretty sure. Yep. Um, you know, and so I think that – You've got to, like you said, you count on him making plays, um, which you don't say too often about a freshman. No, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, we'll save we'll save score predictions for bold predictions. Okay, uh, so you'll have to check that out over at Dogs HQ to get our final score prediction. But a little over twenty four hours out about this game, how you feeling? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that sounds crazy to say, but it's, it's, you know, Georgia has to get over a major hump here. They have to be able to, um, you know, but like I said earlier, this game is very mental for them. And, you know, there's so much that goes on in that's it, going to be going on in all these players' heads when they take up the field against Alabama, when they line up against that Crimson Tide. You know, I think that because of that, it's 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 a tall task. Um, 
but it's not impossible at all. Um, I, I think that, and, and, and what I will say is I think that there's a different feeling about this Georgia team as compared to some of the others. You haven't seen Georgia and Alabama play twice in one season, yeah, first of all. Sure. I think that the rematch aspect adds a huge component to this game. Um, you know, I rattled off some stats to you earlier, but five times have there been a, a, a rematch of a top five matchup. Yep. The, this is the fifth. The previous four times, the loser of the first game has won by 21 or more. Yeah. Um, and, and that it, it's been huge swings. You know, Alabama was a big part of one of those in, in beating LSU in the national championship. Um, you know, there's been other rematches, whether it was a conference championship or a bowl game. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, and, and more often than not, the loser of the first game has won the second game. So I think that that fares well for Georgia for sure. But I think that at the same time, you've got to understand that, um, you know, the, the, the mental aspect of this game is, is a tough one for Georgia um, to, to fight. Well, we talked about it. I, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that this, this idea of, you know, really what's at stake outside of the national championship in my mind is you can draw yourself closer to what Alabama is and the, which is the standard of college football. It's what everybody's shooting for, or the gap continues to widen. Right. And that's it. I mean, it really boils down to those two things in my mind. Um, well, and, 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 and like, you know, Kirby was asked today about how much he was building in Alabama at Georgia. Then the last thing that he's got to do, you know, in order to build in Alabama, or at least the next step, I think the last thing is he has to have this continued success, continued championship dominance. But the first thing that's got to happen is you've got to win one. I agree. It's right now, I, I, I'm going to get a little biblical with you. Right now, he's like Moses looking into the land of Canaan <laughs> and he can see the promised land in front of him. But perhaps will he get to enter? We don't know just yet. And that's really got to be the key for uh, for this game. I think that, you know, it, I'm not saying that there should be doubt arising in the minds of fans if he doesn't succeed, but I could see where it would come from is what I'm saying. It, it's, it would get a sense of, okay, he can get you there, but can he get you over the hump? Because like we said, he hasn't, he hasn't won a lot of SEC championships. He's been there a lot, but he hasn't won them. He's worked himself into the playoffs, won a couple big games in the playoffs, hasn't won the big one. I mean, it's, you want to keep yourself in the conversation. That's the only way you can get here, right? That's the only way you can win a national championship is if you're at the table when the games happen. But at the same time, there's got to be a level of frustration to be so close every time and then have it snatched away at the, at the moment. Yeah, so. yeah. No, and, and I think that that factors into that mental yeah. mental game. Definitely. That this is, you know, it's, it's not saving versus smart, but it, it's absolutely a legacy-defining moment for those two guys. I mean, Saban's legacy is already pretty much set. Him losing this game wouldn't change it, but Kirby Smart winning this game would definitely change his legacy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, another weird reference. It's like one of those old medieval paintings you see where the the the, the, the knight is like yay big and the dragon's <laughs> gigantic and he's standing there ready to go. You know, I mean, that, that kind of feels the like it's slaying the dragon in a very real sense. Um, 
folks, make sure you get over to Dogs HQ. I think that's all for me, by the way. I, I should have asked you. You're sitting right here, so normally I could uh, <laughs> defer to you. Uh, I think that's all for us, though, for right now. So like I said, make sure you get over to Dogs HQ. Check everything out. We've got full coverage of all the lead-up to the game. Um, you know, any story, uh, any uh, quote there was this week, uh, we, we ran with it. Uh, we looked at five recruiting battles that shaped this game. Um, just all the aspects, all, all the ways that you could kind of break this and, one down. And there's, more, and there's more coming. And there's, yeah, and there's still more to come. Uh, like I said, plus we'll have score predictions up, uh, what out they have said. I mean, a full lead up to this. Uh, and then game day central will get rolling, what, about five, six o'clock tomorrow, I guess. Probably, probably maybe even earlier maybe than even that. Earlier. We'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how early I want to brave the cold and get over to the stadium. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's super excited to be here in Indy, super excited to be covering this game and, um, you know, glad that, that we've got a great crew, um, you know, following us. Yeah. 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 It's going to be exciting. So, um, make sure you get it over, get over to dogs HQ, check it all out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, and make sure too, that you go back and listen to the previous edition of dog walk talk. If you didn't, cause Isaac Notta was awesome. Uh, he gave us some really cool stuff, and I, I thought he did a great job. I'll give job. credit to Clint Lamb, too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, next time we talk, we're going to have something big to talk about one way or the other. I promise you that. Football um, season will be over. It will. By that it will. Point. It will. So, but uh, the work does not end. It's all over but the crime. And uh, it's uh, just a determination of happy versus sad tears at this point. Um, so, for Palmer Toms, I'm Jake Roos. This has been another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. Thank you so much for tuning in.